morning. Romans chapter 11. Romans 11 uh, focuses particularly on Israel and what Israel's future will be and that God's not done with Israel. But the thing that really comes out in this chapter, and this is what we're going to look at this morning, is, is God's righteousness, which is shown through his mercy. And uh, the mercy of God, in fact, that whole song, uh, that's what I was thinking of as I was singing it. Uh, the fact that he died for me, that he died for you, that he died for us. Uh, he did that because he's a merciful God. I'm so thankful that we have a God who's a God of mercy. Amen. In, in Romans chapter, chapter 11, verses 30 through 32, let's all stand together. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to look on with you so we can look at the word of God together. You read along silently as I read aloud, beginning in verse 30. It says, For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy uh, they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am so thankful this morning for the mercy of God. Because of your mercy, those of us that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior uh, have, will, will never receive what we deserve for our sins. I deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. Each, each person here deserves to die and go to hell for all eternity. And yet, if we have trusted Christ as our Savior, our ransom is paid. Uh, our debt is, is totally taken care of because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And that's because we serve a merciful God. We pray, Lord, that you help us to focus on your mercy uh, uh, this morning and that it would, it would drive us to loving you more, serving you more, and just having a mindset of being fully dedicated to the God whom we serve. We pray your blessings upon this time together in your word. Please speak to our hearts, take the Holy Spirit and the word of God and minister to us as only you can, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but, but in, that, in this chapter, God's righteousness is shown uh, through, through the, the mercy that he showed, not only to Israel, not only to the Gentiles, but really to the whole world. In verses 1 through 6, uh, the, the saved remnant of Jews... Uh, the Jews that, are, that, are, that were saved back then and the, the, the remnant of Jews that are saved today reflect the mercy of God. Uh, in verses 7 through 24, he talks about uh, the fact that salvation was extended to the Gentiles. And, and that extension to the, the, to the Gentiles, again, shows uh, God's mercy. Uh, Gentile people were grafted in uh, and, and, uh, and were included in salvation. And then verses 25 down, down through 32, uh, everyone has access to the mercy of God. Jews and Gentiles depend 
upon his mercy. And uh, uh, God deserves praise, not only for his mercy, but also for, for his judgments. And we'll, we'll take a look at those here in just a moment in verses 33 through 36. But this, this saving mercy calls, calls Christians to realize how good we have it and, and how that we ought to completely surrender to our God. Now, with that, all those things in mind, look at me in verses 33 down through 36. These are the last verses of the chapter. And it says, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy on all. Uh, oh, the, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompense unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Um, in verse, verse 33, he says, and again, looking at it again, it says, Oh, the depths. Uh, uh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That, that verse tells us three things about God. First of all, it tells us God's greater than you are. <laughs> God's greater than I am. And he knows more. He, he, he has wisdom that you and I don't possess. Uh, you and I can't plumb the depths of God. Uh, there are, there are things that are going to keep us um, from really wrapping our hearts and our minds around some things. For instance, uh, the closest thing that we have today uh, on this earth to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, is, is us because we were made in his image. We, we are spirit, soul, and body. But, but that's where the similarities stop. And, uh, and to try to wrap around three, three, three individuals, three individuals but one person being God, we don't serve many gods, we don't serve three gods, we only serve one God. But, but the idea is that God is beyond us. Uh, he, is, he is smarter than us, he is greater than us. One of the reasons why you'll never plunge the depths of this book is, is and it's, it's a bottomless book to us, because we're not God, and God is infinite, and we are, we, we are not. Uh, you know, I, I, I marvel at how people will uh, doubt the judgment of, of somebody that they have, they have uh, known for years. You have somebody that, that is an acquaintance of yours, you're a good friend, you know each other quite well, and then all of a sudden one day, that person acts a little funny, acts a little different, maybe gets a little snippy and snappy and so forth. And, uh, and, and you look at that, that person and immediately you start being critical. Uh, yeah, that bothers me. You know, every, everybody can have an off day. Uh, we're not going to know what's going on in the background of everybody's life. And... and uh, uh, things, things can affect us. Uh, but, but they ought to have a reputation that precedes them. 
And, uh, and sometimes we, we just plow right through that reputation and just have a critical spirit. You know what's even worse than that? It's when we do that to God. And we do that to God. I mean, God has proved himself in my life over and over and over again. He started out the day I trusted Christ as Savior, and he saved me, saved me from all my sin. He proved himself on that day. And then since then, in, in practical ways, I've, I've seen God prove himself uh, over and over and over again. But understand this, that uh, we, we, we often have a tendency to question God, and we forget that God is greater than us. He's greater than us. Secondly, uh, God's judgments are unsearchable. Uh, you know, uh, Grant Miller was showing me this morning over in the, in the Philippines on the west, or excuse me, eastern side of the islands, and down, right down near where the Sutex are, uh, there's all kinds of earth, earthquakes. They're in the ocean, but they are affecting the land. And when those kind of natural things happen and natural disasters and earthquakes happen and thousands of people die and tsunamis happen and thousands of people die, and we look at that thing and, and we say, you know, why? You know, the, 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 the uh, standard question that we get oftentimes from lost people is why would a loving God allow, and then you just fill in the blank, whatever it might be, um, the, 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 the bottom line of that whole thing is his judgments are unsearchable. Uh, his acts are based on his knowledge, not our knowledge. His acts are based upon his wisdom, not our wisdom. We don't have the wisdom and the knowledge of all things like God does. So there are reasons behind it. We just don't always know all the reasons. And he has the whole picture and when we don't and then the, the third conclusion that we can come to and the third truth that is that is uh, uh, shown in this verse is that God's ways are past finding out there's some things you're just not going to figure out now there's a, a lot of things that we can see um, you know the, the um, in Romans 8 28 says all things we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose and, and I, I think we ought to be looking for, in all things, the purposes of God. But there's going to come a, a point where you don't have it all figured out. And you can't have it all figured out. And the reason why you can't is because you are not God. And God knows the end from the beginning and everything in between. And, and uh, uh, we, we can't expect to plunge the depths of, of, of all of his ways and all of his thoughts. You, you quite frankly, you're not going to figure everything out, and, and so don't try. Uh, this is where faith comes in, and this is what causes us to just say, you know, uh, I don't understand all the reasons, but I do know this. God is God. God is always just. God is always merciful. God is always right. He's always loving. And I think we could all agree on that on an intellectual plane. But when things come across our plate or on, across the plate of someone else, 
that we just don't really comprehend and understand. There comes a point where you just need to trust God. Now look with me down in verses 34 and 35. 34 and 35 says, For who hath known the mind of God, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Now, as you read those two, two verses, those, those two verses could very, very easily be applied in those questions to the life of Job. Uh, Job was a man who was, was right, was, was a, a good man. He was right with God. He was, he was a just man. And uh, God allowed him to prosper one day uh, when the sons of God came before, uh, came before the Lord. Satan accompanied them. And, and God said to Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? And basically what he was doing there is he was bragging on one of his, one of his children. And uh, Satan says, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he, he, he uh, responds properly and does things right. But you let me touch him. You let me mess up his life some. And uh, you'll find that, that uh, he won't stick with, with you. And uh, so God gave him that permission. And, and uh, of course, Job went through all kinds of, of, of questions and, and was befuddled through that whole process. You get to the, the end, you get, get to the end of the book of Job, and it says God answered Job in uh, Job 38 verses 1 through, uh, actually through chapter 40 and verse 2. And, and what you find going on there when it says God answered Job, what God did in his answers is he just asked question after question after question after question. And he, basically the, the, the bottom line of his questions were, are you me? Were you there when I created the, the heavens and the earth? Uh, were you there when the sons of God shouted for joy? Uh, were, were you there when, when uh, uh, everything was uh, established? Uh, and, and he just asked question after question after question. Well, in, this, in this, these two verses, you find three basic questions asked. Look at verse 34. It says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Now, the first question he asks is, Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who, who, can, who can anticipate what God is going to do next? You can't. You can't. And, and uh, nobody can because we don't have his mind. Now, we do have the mind of God in the respect that we have the word of God. Uh, and praise the Lord for that. So we have some idea of how he thinks. We have some idea of his ways. But we don't know the depths of them. Uh, you know, you, you think that God ought to handle a particular situation in a particular way, and you find out he does it in a completely different way. I've, I've had that, that happen uh, in, in my own life. I've had that happen in observing the lives of others. And, and this, this chapter is really all on God showing mercy on the Jews and the Gentiles. 
Uh, you look in, verses, uh, look in verses 31 and 32. It says, Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy, for God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. And uh, uh, God is, is great at, at showing mercy to all. We understand and expect mercy for ourselves, uh, but, but we str- sometimes we struggle when we see mercy in the lives of others. You know, we, we, we see someone that's, that's not doing right, is obviously bucking God in an area, and yet the hammer's not coming down right away. Well, you know, uh, not only uh, is the mercy of God good for me, but it's good for others as well. And, and I need, need to realize, and you need to realize, that, that God shows so much mercy so much of the time and, uh, and he, he does so over and over again. We need to, to not only recognize it in our own lives, but also accept it and recognize it in the lives of others. Um, you, look at, you look at the way that Jesus handled people when he was on this earth. And in particularly, I want to point out three, three different women in the four Gospels that, that he confronted in difficult situations. The first one was the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, and I, I have all, always, I've always uh, wondered about that because it says that she was caught in the very act. Well, if she was caught in the very act, then where's the guy? And how come he's not there? And how come only the woman's there? But what you what you find there is that God was very, the Lord Jesus was very merciful to that woman, very merciful to that woman. Uh, he told the Pharisees, he said, he said, uh, he that is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they, they filtered out. And so he looked at the woman, he says, where are thine accusers? And uh, he, he, he said, well, they're gone. And he said, well, go and sin no more. He didn't say just go and continue your life, your lifestyle, but he said, go and sin no more. What was that? Well, that was, that was mercy. That was mercy. Uh, the, the, the second one you find is uh, a woman that was at a well. She was a Samaritan woman. And uh, he was very patient with her. And again, uh, there was a situation of, of immorality. He, he told her, go, go tell your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And she says, right. She says, you've had uh, five men, and the man that you're with right now is not even your husband. But he was, he was patient with her, and he was kind with her. And, and then you find the, the Syrophoenician woman. And this woman, you talk about, and she, was, she wasn't like the first two. She wasn't immoral at all. She had a, uh, there's no indication that she was. She had a daughter that had a devil. And so she's coming in an absolute desperation, uh, not for herself, but for her daughter. And, and uh, uh, she, she inquires uh, to the Lord, and he ignores her cries at first. And then he explains that he didn't come for her kind, but he came for the lost sheep of Israel. And then he calls her a dog, and he says, you know, should, should, uh, should the king at his table give, give his bread to dogs? 
And then when she responded, and she responded in a very humble way, but she responded, and uh, he said, I, I've not found so, such great faith in all Israel. Now, again, this was, a, this was a Gentile woman, and yet he showed her exceeding mercy uh, because of her great faith, and her daughter was made whole. Now, you know, those are three totally different uh, circumstances. And, and, and uh, uh, in the first two, they had to do with immorality, and it seemed like, like uh, God was very soft. The, the Lord Jesus was very, very easy on, on those people. And then you've got a lady who's just torn apart because of what she's seeing with her daughter, and he's kind of putting her through the ringer. You say, man, I, I don't understand that. You don't understand that, and I don't understand that because we don't have the same thought process that God's got. But one thing that is true in every single one of those situations, regardless of how he handled them, in the end, mercy, great mercy, was shown. And that's our God. Over and over and over again, he shows mercy. So the first question is, for who hath known the mind of the Lord. Second question uh, in those two verses is, who hath been his counselor? <laughs> in other words, who's going to advise God? Um, have, you, have, you ever, have you ever gone to God in private, not, not publicly, not in front of your family, but just in private, and, and, and said something along the line of, God, did you know that? You know, God, don't you know that? Well, yeah, he knows that. You know, that's, that's kind of like a Christian, uh, you know, say, and, and I, understand, I understand what you mean when you say this, but we, we do this all the time. We say, Lord, be with us today. Well, he said he'd never leave us and forsake us. Why are you asking him to be with you? But, but, but that's just who we are. And, and we come to God and we say, God, did you know that? Well, yeah, he knew that. You're not going to advise God. I'm not going to advise God. Who can advise God? Nobody can. Uh, what, what do you know? What information do you have that God doesn't have? And, and the, the, the truth is, is that God knows, knows all. There's, there's no stone that is ever unturned with God. God, God, God knows it all. Um, I, I heard a... a, a phrase and a saying that has stuck with me over the years. I heard this years ago, and it just simply states this, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? <laughs> you know, why? Well, because he knows it all. He knows it all, and, and nobody's going to be his counselor. And then the, the third question that's asked is, who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? Uh, the Bible says we love him not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done for us. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him every, everything. No one has ever given to God something uh, because all comes from him. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. God is a debtor to no one. All of these things are, are beneficial for us to remember. 
uh, just to remember what our place is and what God's place is. And God is, is infinite and we are finite. Uh, God owes us nothing and we owe him everything. Uh, look with me back in the text. Look with me down in verse, verse 36. It says, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Everything that he has said thus far in this passage leads up to this point. He says three things about himself. He says all things are of him. In other words, he's the source of all things. You can take credit for absolutely nothing. Uh, I can take credit for absolutely nothing because everything that I am, everything that I've done, uh, every, everything that I have accomplished uh, or that you have accomplished, we owe it to God. Everything is from him. Uh, if he's the, the originator of all things, then what should be our conclusion? Well, keep your finger here and go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. And verses 15 through 18, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Verse 15 says, who is, who, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things are created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He might have the preeminence. Um, he deserves to be absolutely number one uh, in, in our lives. He needs to be the, the top priority in all that we do. Over in uh, Revelation 4.11, it tells us that, that all things were created for his pleasure. That means that you and I were, were not created so that he could please us. We were created so that we could please him. And that's, that's really our, our, our purpose and our duty in life is, is to please the Lord. Why? Because all things are of him. Not, are all, not only are all things of him, but all things are through him. Uh, he's the power behind everything. You know, if, if you're not careful, you'll turn on the news, you'll, you'll uh, see what's, you go on the internet, you go into the newspapers, you listen to the radio, you listen to what's going on in this world, and it, it looks like it's, it's running amok and that God has lost control. He's not lost control. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, he is the power behind everything uh, in this world, and everything depends on him. He sustains all, according to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, if, he, if he withdrew his power from this world, the whole, 
the whole world would just explode, would just blow up. Uh, the conclusion is, is that, that therefore, because everything is not only of him but through him, we can, we can only, uh, we, we can do absolutely nothing without God. Uh, Jesus said this in John 15. He said, without me, ye can do nothing. Now, let me ask you something. I, you know, we know that verse. We know what it says. But do you really believe it? Do you really live it? When you get a compliment for something you did, do you quickly deflect that compliment to God because without him you can do nothing? You know, that mindset of without him you can do nothing. Uh, Honestly, I think our, our human tendency is to say, well, that's true most of the time. No, that's true all of the time. That's always a fact. Without him, we can do nothing. And then, then thirdly, all things are not only of him and through him, but to him. In other words, he's, he's the purpose behind all things. And again, Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. In other words, God expects us to please him above all else. He expects us to please him above ourselves. He expects us to please him above others. He expects us to make him the absolute number one priority. Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, he's telling us over and over and over again in the word of God that he needs to be preeminent, that he needs to be first. Now, if, if you have a problem with verses 33 through 36, of chapter 11, then you're going to have a real problem with the first two verses of chapter 12. Because uh, so, so, so many times we, we look at chapters separately, and, and that's fine. I think you can do that to compartmentalize themes within each chapter. But understand, the book of Romans was an entire letter that was written. And so it's all within context. So chapter 11 leads to chapter 12, which leads to chapter 13. They're all connected. So with that in mind, it really, and, and that emphasis on the mercy of God really makes verses 1 and 2 make a whole lot of sense. When, when uh, God says this in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, in other words, why, why present your bodies a living sacrifice? Uh, why should we not be conformed to this world? Why should we be transformed? 
by the renewing of, your, of our mind. Because we've got a God who's merciful. And, and honestly, uh, I, have to, I have to make myself stop often and just contemplate and meditate and think on how merciful God has been to me over the years. Have you ever, ever just stopped and in whatever stage or age of life you're at, I've done, I've done this really uh, for most of my, my saved life. So I, I've, I've done it various stages. But have you ever just stopped and thought, if, if, if I had not trusted Christ as Savior, if I had not been saved, if God had not intervened in my life, if I did not have forgiveness of sins, if I was not a saved person, I wonder where I'd be today. I wonder what state I would be in today. I've thought about that. And, and I've looked at people. When I got saved, I got saved in high school. I was a, a senior in high school. It was my last, my last semester, last half. And there's quite a few of my classmates that are already in eternity. There's uh, quite a few of my classmates whose lives are absolute, total train wrecks. They're a mess. That could have been me. If it, you know, we say, we say, if not for the grace of God, uh, think of it this way next time you think that way. If not for the mercy of God, Grace of God, yes, no, I, I have no problem with that, but, but think of the mercy of God, how merciful he has been. Because when, when God makes an appeal for us to give ourselves totally to him, mind and body and life, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, what, why should we present our bodies a living sacrifice? Why should we be conformed, uh, not be conformed to this world? Why should we allow God to transform our minds? Well, because he's greater than I am. Because he knows what you and I don't know. Because he's wiser than we are and, and merciful, therefore. Uh, because you owe him everything. And I, and I do. I owe, I, owe, I, owe, I owe him so, so much. I owe him so much. He's the, he's the source. He's the power. He ought to be the purpose of everything in my life. Um, you know what really the problem is? The problem is we won't commit our trust to anyone that we don't trust. And if you think that God has given you a bad deal or you think his judgment was wrong in a particular area of your life, you're going to struggle until you get that thing resolved. Those are, those are things that I remember one particular time in my life when I had a very adverse thing happen. And as I went through it, I did not have bitterness at all. I mean, none, zero. I, I had the right attitude, the right spirit. But about, about 
about six to eight months afterwards, I saw some things and I began to question God. I mean, that's, I can't explain it any other way, uh, and I'm not proud of it, but I questioned the Lord. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing that to happen? How come this is going on, Lord? And when you stop trusting him, you start pulling yourself off the altar. Uh, you're, you're not going to give yourself totally to one whom you don't totally trust. And that's, you know, you, you, you look at, so, so oftentimes we just, we, we focus on in the Christian life for, uh, for a life of submission and surrender. We focus on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But the key to that thing is going back to chapter 11. And, and, and again, just being reassured, we have a God whom we can trust. We have a God who is greater than us. We have a God who knows what we don't know. And I'm not minimizing any difficulty you might have gone through or you might be going through right now. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you've got a God who is so merciful and loved you first and a God whom you can absolutely, totally trust. And that's why the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of God, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by what? By the mercies of God, because God has been merciful to us. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we ask your blessings upon the things that we've heard. And Lord, uh, I have no idea. Anytime I get behind this pulpit, of knowing what's going on in people's hearts or what struggles folks are having. Boy, I'm sure glad I got a God who does. Maybe there's someone in particular that needed to hear what your word has to say this morning in that particular area of their life. God, uh, there have been times when I've questioned your judgment when my love for you has slipped a little bit because I didn't understand some things, I, I just need to be reminded over and over and over again, I'm not going to figure you out. You've got me figured out. I don't have you totally figured out because I don't have the wisdom that you have and I don't have the knowledge you have and I can't see the end from the beginning like you can. But Lord... Uh, you are a God who is worthy of our trust and you have proved that by your mercy. Over and over and over again, you have been merciful to us. Lord, I pray that you take this message and use it, be a blessing, be an encouragement. Maybe someone is here this morning going through a difficulty and they can just be encouraged that you are in control, that you know what's going on. There's nothing that has slipped by you. And Lord, intellectually, we know that, but sometimes, sometimes we doubt. God, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to be reminded this morning about 
your mercy and about the fact that you, you are greater than what we are and you know what we don't know. God, have your will and way in our lives this morning. There might be someone here that just needs to come to the altar and just say, God, you can have it all. Uh, I'm your living sacrifice this morning. Take me and use me, transform me. I'm totally, completely dedicated to you and your purposes because of your mercies. God, have your will, have your way in our lives this morning. May decisions be made for you that give you the honor and the glory that you so richly deserve. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.